Hey everybody, I'm Nick McRae, one of your associate pastors here, and it's my joy to be with you here today and to bring a message from God's Word. Before we get started, if, if you haven't yet checked in, we would love it if you would uh, either download the, the TMUMC app, if you don't have that yet, and check in and let us know that you're here, or you can just scan the QR code that's on the screen right now. It's really helpful to us when we can know who's joining us, uh, just so we can better stay connected to you. So we hope that you would, uh, you would do that for us. Well, this week we're beginning our, our second week of the Love Revolution worship series. And uh, Love Revolution is all about the revolutionary love of Jesus, the, the scandalous love of Jesus, the, the, the almost unbelievable, uh, inconceivable love of Jesus that, that, that turns the world upside down. And uh, to do that, we've been diving into the Beatitudes, those first about 12 verses of the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus announces these blessings upon all different sorts of of people. And last week, um, we, kind of, we kind of set the context for the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. And we, we, we discovered that, that uh, as we read through Matthew's gospel, uh, we learned that Jesus is, is the descendant of the great King David, the one who is God with us himself, the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire, the one who, who, who is God and is God's son. And so uh, it's with the authority of God and the, and the force of God and the very words of God uh, that Jesus announces this blessing uh, over the people. And we learned that um, right, it was the poor in spirit, those who, who recognize their need for God, who recognize that they're hopeless without God, who receive this, this, the, the, the blessing of the kingdom of heaven because it's for them that Jesus has come, and those who mourn their brokenness, mourn uh, the ways that they, that they have not lived into that kingdom, um, that Christ has come to comfort them. And that's sort of where we left off last week. Well, today we're going to move forward into the next two verses, the next two uh, Beatitudes. And uh, we read Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 5, these words from Jesus. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In order to, 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 to really dig into these two Beatitudes and to really understand uh, what they mean, I think there's four questions we really need to, to, to answer for ourselves. And that is first, just what, what, is, what does it mean to be meek? What does it mean to be meek? Uh, and what does it mean to inherit the earth would be another uh, a third one would be, what is righteousness that we would hunger and thirst for it? And, and what does it mean to be filled with that righteousness, filled of that hunger and that thirst? I think those are the four things that we need to, um, need to think about as we prepare to, to, to uncover uh, what this blessing means, uh, meant for them and means for us today. So what is meekness? The meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know, meek is, a, is an interesting word. Uh, it's really not a very common word anymore. It used to be used a lot more regularly in English. These days, it's not really uh, used very much. And um, the meaning of it, as with many words in English, has changed over time. And that's one of the reasons we no longer use it so much, because it kind of changed its meaning. Um, these days, when we, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word meek, I get kind of a, a the image I get for, uh, for some reason is, a, is a, like a little mouse, 
a little mouse that's kind of, you turn on the light and it starts scurrying across the room and it's running from anything that moves and it's just looking for a place to hide because it knows that, um, that, it's, that it's weak. It knows that it, is, it ought to be afraid because it's powerless. Um, and it lives into this fear and lives into this sort of sense of its own smallness. And so when I hear the word meek, that's what I think of, this sense of sort of fear, sort of shrinking back. Um, and so if we think of it that way, um, I think we're kind of missing uh, what is really meant. And so th this is the new international version that I'm, that I'm using today. And, and it, like, like several modern Bible translations, um, it retains this word meek, I think mostly for historical reasons. Right? The, the sort of classic English Bible translations from the past, especially the King James version of the Bible, um, it kind of became the standard for a long time for English-speaking Protestant Christians. And so there's a lot of beloved verses that when these new, more modern Bible uh, translations were being produced, they kind of stuck with the older terminology because it was familiar, because people loved it. And I think this is one of those, blessed are the meek. They kind of stuck with that. English Standard Version is another translation that, that sort of retains that, that classic uh, terminology. Um, but I think that's kind of unfortunate because it gives us the wrong impression. I don't think what we're, the impression we're supposed to get here is of, of the sort of retiring mouse that is sort of full, full of fear. Um, this word in Greek that's used, that's translated meek in this version is also translated gentle. Uh, in, in, this, in this Bible translation and in many others, and in many other modern Bible translations, it says, blessed are the gentle for they shall inherit the earth. And I think that's a much better, more accurate um, translation just for the way that we use language today. You know, because gentleness uh, doesn't denote fear, right? It doesn't denote weakness necessarily. It denotes, I would say, uh, patience and, uh, and self-control because gentleness and strength can go together in our minds, right? We can think of, of someone who is strong and gentle. And it's not really even a contrast. Those are two sort of, when they come together, it's a really beautiful thing. I think of my dad, for instance. That's a person that I would describe as both strong and gentle. I mean, physically, he's just a very strong man. He's worked with his hands, worked with his, his body all of his life. And even at 80 years old, he's still a very strong man. Uh, stronger, stronger in many ways than, than myself even. Uh, but there's also a kind of strength to him that's a sort of a quiet resolve. My dad is a quiet man, a gentle man who, who would only, have, only has good words for people and who is reserved and sort of controls his anger, controls his, um, his, um, his responses, is able to sort of keep his emotions in check, especially when it comes to relating with other people so that he never lashes out at someone, even if they lash out to him. You know, um, I, can't, I can't remember if this has ever actually happened Maybe it has, and, or may, but maybe it hasn't. I'm sort of creating this memory. Uh, you've probably had that same feeling. But I can only imagine that if I were, let's say, riding in the car with my dad, and we were going down the road, and some, maybe, maybe a car behind us didn't think we were going fast enough, and kind of like squealed around us, you know, and maybe gave dad the one-finger salute as he was driving by. How many of us would, would sort of want to throw that salute back, right? And res, uh, respond with that insult with another insult, just to give him a taste of their own medicine. But that, that would never occur to my dad to do that, I don't think. I am confident that if someone did that to my dad, his response would be to laugh, to just laugh, right? And not because he, he couldn't respond, not because he doesn't know what to do, but because that's just who he is. He's a gentle man. He does not return insult for insult. That's just not who he is. He is, 
gentle. You know, a gentle person, what's one of the sort of, I would say the, the marks of a gentle person, especially in this sort of biblical way of understanding it, is that they don't return uh, evil for evil, insult for insult. You know, Jesus um, talks about this just a little further in the Sermon on the Mount uh, in chapter five, starting in verse 38, when he famously says this, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Okay, so in this context, sort of a slap on the cheek, I mean, certainly that's an act of violence, but, but um, really we're, t- we're more talking in this particular case about an insult here. I mean, we even use the phrase a slap in the face as a, a way of talking about an insult in our language even today, right? It's insulting to be slapped someone in the face. It's offensive. But see, gentleness... Gentleness doesn't slap back when slapped, right? And gentleness doesn't mean, doesn't mean running away. It doesn't mean you're, you're, you're defenseless, that you can't defend yourself, you can't slap back. It means when insulted, standing up tall and, and looking them in the face and simply turning the other cheek, right? That you'd rather receive another insult than to throw one back. And that's gentleness, I see, as the way I see it. And that's, and that's I see my dad uh, in, in that. And I hope to live in to that, that example that he set for me. You know, Jesus himself was, uh, was meek or gentle, depending on how you want to use these, uh, these words, the same Greek word he uses in, uh, in a little bit later in Matthew's gospel, where he says this in the 11th chapter, beginning in verse 28, come to me, all who are weary and, and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, it's that same word, I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is contrasting himself to other teachers that people might follow, teachers who might be quicker to anger, quicker to, uh, to sort of to discipline, quicker to uh, sort of lash out at their students and, to, and not, as, not as quick to forgiveness. But Jesus says, like, I'm, I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest with me, right? Because because Jesus is slow to anger. Jesus doesn't return insult for insult. Jesus is, is quick to forgive, slow to discipline. And so once again, we see the, the, the example of, of Jesus. And in fact, one of the best, um, the very best examples of gentleness in all, all uh, of history and all of creation is Jesus um, when he went to the cross. Because we read later in Matthew's gospel and all the other gospels that, that when Jesus was, was arrested, he was insulted, he was spat upon, he was struck. And yet, even though he had the power and the authority to call down legions of angels to come and rescue him, he didn't. And he, he took the insult and he took the pain because he was doing it for us. And that through that, in fact, through that act of gentleness, of, of, of submitting uh, to be humiliated, Without striking back, he, he ultimately struck the final blow to sin and struck the final blow to death. When after he died, he rose again and he defeated death. That's gentleness. That's the model of gentleness. So blessed are the meek, blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. So what does it mean then for the, for the, for the, the gentle, the meek, to inherit the earth? I think one of the ways we can, we can find the answer to that is to actually to look, well, look where in the Bible Jesus was getting that. Because in fact, Jesus uh, in this particular beatitude is quoting uh, a verse from the Old Testament. He's quoting a verse from the, from the 37th Psalm. 
And uh, I'm going to read actually a little bit leading up to that verse and then a little bit beyond it to kind of see where this model of gentleness comes from and to see the implications of it, to see what it means uh, for, for, for the gentle to inherit the earth. So this is Psalm 37, uh, and I'm going to begin uh, in the fifth verse, which says this, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. There's that, that, that verse that Jesus is quoting. And I want to read just a little bit beyond it where he says this. Beginning in verse 12, the wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and the needy to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. You see that the psalmist is, is, is contrasting the meek, right? The gentle with the wicked and the violent. And how is it that the, that the, that the meek will inherit the land? You see, and this time, uh, Pretty much, well, and even today, people have always been fighting over the land. In the Old Testament, the land means the nation of, the nation of Israel, the land of Israel. People have always been fighting over that land. And in fact, um, you read through the, the, read through the Bible and then history even beyond it, and you'll see it's over and over again. It's, it's war after war after war, civil war, war against, against uh, nations, right? against Egypt, against Assyria, Babylonia, the Greeks, the Romans, so on and so forth. It was all about Battle, battle, war, uh, aggression, anger, hate was the way that you inherit the land, that you aggressively take the land. But, but see, this is, this is where it becomes revolutionary, my friends, because, because it's not, the, it's not the, the, the mighty and the powerful, the aggressive uh, with their swords and their bows and their chariots that will inherit the land, ultimately, God says, but it's the gentle. It's the ones who refrain from anger, who turn from wrath, who don't fret because it only leads to evil, right? Because, because um, the meek, the gentle, they, as we see here, they're still before the Lord. They wait patiently before the Lord. They trust in the Lord because ultimately it's the Lord's battle. And it's God who will make things right. And it's God who will give the land, not to those who, who sort of trust in their own power and their own authority and their own, their own um, you know, their own strength, to take the land by the sword, not them, but, but to those who, who recognize that it's not their power, but it's God's power that will ultimately win the day. And so the gentle can, can rest. They can rest knowing that they don't have to return insult for insult. They don't have to return evil for evil because it's all in God's hands and they trust in God. And so 
the, the gentle, blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. And just as in the Old Testament, when we read of the land, we're talking about the land of Israel. In the New Testament, we find that it takes on a new meaning, that the land of Israel itself, that the physical land was a sign. It was a, a, a type. It was, a, it was, a, it was a, a pointer pointing toward the new land uh, the, and the new earth that God would create. And in fact, we can look just for a little preview of that into the, the book of Revelation, the, this, this great vision of the apostle John. And in the 21st chapter, we read this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Friends, the promise in Christ is, the, is that the gentle, those who trust in God to rescue them and God to settle the score, who trust in God to be their ultimate hope, will inherit this new earth, this new land, the new city, where God will dwell with us in a new way and in a, in a, in a, in a, um, a special and intimate way that we can't yet imagine. But we get a taste of that when we live every day side by side with Jesus Christ. So the meek will inherit the earth. And then uh, right, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are they because they will be filled. So, so what does it mean to be righteous? Now, the word righteous itself, the English word, uh, it kind of comes from, a, from an older English word, right wise, um, which just literally means um, sort of having the quality of being right. It's not a very descriptive word, um, right? So righteousness means rightness, being, being right. Uh, but of course, in, um, there's a, kind of a particular biblical definition. When we read about righteousness in the Bible, there's one particular uh, or at least set of ideas that we're talking about. And I like to look into Deuteronomy to find that. I think it's laid out really well. Um, so in Deuteronomy chapter five and six, we get some of the, some of the greatest summaries of, the, um, of, of sort of what, you know, what we call the law, or the Torah going throughout the Bible. And one of those is the 10 commandments. That's there in Deuteronomy chapter five, right? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself any idols. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. Keep this, uh, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet what someone else has, right? These are sort of um, ways of living both with God uh, in a right relationship with God and ways of living with, with your neighbors in a right relationship. Uh, and there's that word right again, a right relationship, righteousness. In, in the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy, we read another um, of the great sort of summaries of the teaching of the Bible, where we hear this in verse, beginning of verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So once again, we see that it's about 
It's about living in right relationship with God and, and with other people. And at the end of chapter six, we read this. The Lord commanded us, this is in verse 24, the Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. That will be our righteousness. So to live into this pattern um, that God shows us, this pattern of life of the right way uh, to be with God and to be obedient to God and also the right way to live with other people. Um, that is our righteousness, we read. So it's all about that. It's all about that living according to this, this the right pattern, the good pattern of life that God um, has shown us. And as we saw in the, in the Ten Commandments, that it's, right, it's, this is, it's, it's personal and it's social, both, right? It's, it's about our relationship with God and the way that we behave before God and the way we're obedient to God, but it's also about our relationships to other people, how we are to treat other people with justice and with kindness and with gentleness, even, not to offend them, not to, 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 uh, to, 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 to act violently or deceptively toward them, but to live with them in peace and, uh, and sort of for the well-being of, of one another in the sight of God. And so, right, this is about a, a personal relationship and also a, a kind of social relationship. The thing about righteousness is, right, righteousness is something we can never quite accomplish on our own. And we can try and we can try and we can try to do everything, you know, sort of tick all the boxes, but, but it never quite rises to the level of, of uh, true righteousness. You know, if we look in, um, I like the way the apostle Paul puts it in the book of Romans the third chapter where he, um, where he says this. Now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God has presented Christ as a sacrifice, sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received, once again, by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. This is kind of a long and complicated way of saying that, that real righteousness, uh, the real capacity to live in right relationship with God and right relationship with other people, we don't have it in ourselves, but it comes through faith in Jesus Christ and through what Jesus Christ did for us by giving himself up to, for his blood to be shed on the cross. That, that the righteousness, right? He lived a perfectly righteous life because he was, in fact, God incarnate, right? And so he was able to live a perfectly righteous life perfectly into the pattern that God had laid out for us. And because we can't in ourselves live into that pattern, he lived, he lived this full life for us. And, in, and through him, through faith in him, we can be part of that righteousness. But that doesn't mean we don't do anything. That doesn't mean we just sort of, uh, we just sort of say, well, you know, um, Jesus did it all, which is true, but now I don't have to live righteously. No, 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 no. Uh, we live righteously. We, we obey the law. We follow in that pattern of life in response to, to what Jesus did for us. 
He made the way. He made it so that we could have this righteousness, live out this righteousness. And so through him, we live into that, that pattern with God and with our, our neighbors. So we're, we're to hunger and thirst for that. And in fact, friends, we do hunger and thirst for that. We hunger and thirst for it because uh, where else can we find the way to, to, to live into who we're made to be, where, who we're supposed to be? And Jesus says to us in John's gospel, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And it's through Jesus Christ, through staying close, clinging close to Jesus Christ, that we're ultimately filled. Even more, once we have that faith in Jesus, we, we desire it. We want to be close to Jesus. We want to live that righteous life because we understand what Jesus has done for us. And so we want to live out that pattern. And it's Jesus who, who gives us the power to do that. And just because he says, whoever uh, believes in me will never hunger or thirst. It doesn't mean it's just a one-time stop and go, right? You jump in, you hop in once and you have faith once and, and now suddenly you're never hungry, never thirsty again. No, no, no. Uh, think about how real food works, right? It satisfies your hunger, but you want more of it. Right? You'll be hungry again. And the only way to keep from being hungry, keep from being thirsty, is to stay, stay close to the source of that. So we stay close to Jesus Christ. We continue our faith in Jesus Christ, growing in holiness with Him and with other people uh, as He continues to fill us, uh, this hunger and thirst for righteousness. So what? Right? Okay, so we talked about what it means to be meek and to inherit the land and to, and to be righteous, the hunger and thirst for righteousness and how to be filled. I mean, it's all about Jesus, right? So, so what? Like, how do we live in the light of this? What do, we, what do we do? What are we supposed to take away from this? I think that right, these, these blessings uh, that Jesus declares, these are God's blessings for us. And, and, and so first of all, we're just to embrace them. Embrace that this is the pattern of life that God has, has created for us. Uh, recognize it and, 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 and turn our lives to, to, to sh to in the shape that, that fits into that. Right? I think we're also to live in to that gentleness in our relationships. Right? Live into that, to that, that trust in God, that trusting to God to settle the score. Right? Not lashing out, never reacting, but only acting right? in the way that God has, has showed us in the model of Jesus. Right? Another thing is to, to live into that righteousness, right? First of all, by trusting in Jesus for the first place. And if you've never uh, trusted in Jesus for your righteousness, if you've never put your faith in Jesus and said, Jesus, I need you, and all I have is you, and, and, and I want to follow you, then friends, that's the first step. To give it all to Jesus and to receive that, that, that bread and that drink of, of, of righteousness from him and then, and then to continue living in that, to try to grow, to, to take all of our efforts to grow and be more like him as a thank you, as a, as a response uh, to what Jesus has done for us. And the last thing, the, thing, the really beautiful thing, I, I think that I, I've discovered through, uh, through, through uh, both the, the, the previous um, Beatitudes and these, is that, you know, friends, these are blessings for us from God but they're ultimately not about us, 
right? It's a gift to us, but these are all, it's all about God. It's all about God who is our only hope. It's all about God who brings the comfort to those who mourn, right? It's all about God uh, who, who, who will settle the score, who gives the, the gift of the eternal life and the gift of the, the land that we can inherit. It's all about God who gave us the gift of Christ's righteousness through coming to us in Jesus Christ and, and, and offering to let us become a part of that and live into that. It's all about God. And so I just come, I just come away from this uh, feeling in that same place that I think, I think that the Apostle Paul was when he wrote uh, this in the third verse of uh, the book of uh, the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, where he said this, praise be to the God. In another way, you can say this, praise be, you can translate it as blessed be. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Bless God. Blessed be God. Let us, let us worship God and, and praise God and give thanks to God for all things, for all the things the blessings that, that God has given us. And let's do that not just today, but every single day, recognizing that God is the source of all and he is to be blessed and he is to be praised above all. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you for everything that you are, for everything that you've done for us, for the way that you've blessed us with your righteousness through the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Because there's nothing that we could do to earn or deserve that, to earn or deserve your righteousness, the, the, this ability to live in to the way that you would have us be, but, but through the perfect obedience of your son, Jesus, and through his death, you've given us that gift. Help us to bless your name every day. Help us to live into the pattern of your son, Jesus Christ, every day trusting in you alone to settle the score, trusting in you alone to be the source of our righteousness and help us to love our neighbors as Jesus loves them. In his holy name we pray, amen. Friends, I wanna thank you uh, as always for your faithful generosity. It's because of your, your regular giving um, that this church is able to sustain all of the ministries, uh, including including this uh, this video ministry right here and right now. So thank you for that. Uh, we, if you'd like to give, you can give uh, right now by scanning the QR code that's on the screen here somewhere, and uh, or you can go on your uh, TMUMC app, or you can text TMUMC to the number 45777, and you can complete your gift in that way. Thank you and God bless.